A few months ago, I sat with a congregant who had just lost her father. She was heartbroken. But what was worse than the loss was that she and her siblings had fought over his care. And now after his death, they couldn't hold each other in mourning as they continued to fight over the remains of their childhood home. Frustrated and hurt, she asked, why is it that we construct plans for raising children, we construct plans for everything else in our lives, but we don't construct plans for our death? We need a blueprint. This week, in Parshat Truma, Moshe begins to receive dictation for the ultimate tavnit, the six-chapter blueprint for the Mishkan. A pied-à-terre for God, a house in which to contain the uncontainable, divinity, holiness, the ineffable. But it wasn't in the original plan to use a blueprint, or to build a Mishkan for that matter. This was plan B, Bidiavad. Just ask Rashi or Rashi's Talmudic predecessor, Rabbi Ishmael. Because you see, the Holy Blessed One dreamt of a human divine dveikut, a unification that had no boundaries, that was complete. We hear this, we just heard this. In the words that are at the beginning of this week's parasha, Vasuli Mikdash Veshachanti Vitocham, make for me a sanctuary and I will dwell inside all of them. But what, what kind of human being is so highly evolved, so attuned of spirit that we can commune with the divine sans structure? What finite being can cleave to the infinite, to, to what we can neither see, feel, nor touch without a mediating force or context? But you see, Hashem so desperately craves this unification that at first, she doesn't see us for who we are. Limited, concrete thinkers, time-bound beings with short memories and short fuses. And so, without structure, and while Moshe is up mingling with the divine and they're having a devekut dance on top of the mountain, things go horribly wrong. A calf is built. What Rabbi Art Green calls the Jewish original sin is committed. We begin to worship the tangible because that is how we are wired. We need framework. We need blueprints. But thank God, God eventually forgives us our graven offense. More than that, God gets it. People cannot survive on a diet of intangible alone. She approaches us with compassion, turning our constitutional limitation into a divine request. I've actually always wanted a home. Let me show you how to build it because we need blueprints and structure, and God gave it to us. The day after Thanksgiving, my immediate family gathers around the kitchen table, my mom, my dad, my sisters, and my brother-in-law. 
we face each other and we begin to piece together our own blueprint to contextualize a different kind of ineffable, the ineffable inevitable, the kind that I heard in that room listening to the congregant who lost her father. I want to know how many here have thought about what kind of environment, ideally, we would want to have when we are dying. How many have shared that vision, that hope, that ideal with another person? My family had not. Definitely not. But on the Friday after Thanksgiving, we sat down and we asked, when one of us, may it be many years from now, is dying, who do we want at our side? Who do we want to be our advocate? Is it a priority for us to be at home? And if one of us, chas v'shalom, is incapacitated or has lost our ability to reason, what music do we want played in the room? Do we want photos of loved ones to remind us who we are? And do we want to be resuscitated if we lose consciousness? And so my family spoke of our fears, of our wishes. We cried. We sat for two hours with two carefully crafted maps in front of us. One document called Five Wishes. Has anyone heard of this? and a guide from the Conversation Project, which is an organization dedicated to supporting these conversations among loved ones. I can't recommend it highly enough, both Five Wishes and the Conversation Project. Yes, they include the average advanced directive questions, but they go way beyond. What does life support mean to you? Not the generic term, but what does it mean for you? How far should a doctor or caregiver go to avoid pain? Do you want your hand held as often as possible, even if you don't respond? My family learned more about each other in this conversation than in perhaps any other in our adult lives. There were surprises, and there were some predictable responses too. My sister asked my parents, if one of you dies first, would the other want us to move in with you or vice versa? Without hesitation, my mother answered, over my dead body. <laughs> my fa- those who know my mother can maybe imagine. With, um, my father responded, wait, 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 not so fast. I actually might be interested. <laughs> but the greatest surprise of this conversation was the impact that it has had on the other aspects of our relationship. The laying of the map and thinking about death and talking to each other about it taught us even more about how to live, how to be in relationship with each other. Assumptions had been tested, old family dynamics brought to light, and we felt at the end of those two hours a new level of emotional closeness that was sustained and brought us together two weeks ago 
in love and gratitude as my mom celebrated her birthday, I won't tell you which one, in late January. The Mishkan. And the blueprint to build the Mishkan started off as a concession to human limitation, and it turned into the greatest community-building exercise. While constructing a divine home for the future, and while paying attention to mundane details, we coalesced as a society. While the act of dying is very tangible, the moment of our death is unknown, when and how it will happen, not to mention what comes after. It's a mystery. It's scary. We don't really want to talk about it because it's morbid or unnatural to speak of, or the act of articulating a plan makes it just too real. But this container somehow created a, this conversation somehow created a container in which to help to, in which to help hold all of these unknowns. The conversation can also mean the difference between dying according to your wishes, knowing that every death is different and we don't always get to die with these wishes, but we can at least know what we want instead of not being heard or respected in the last moments of life. When I first went onto the Conversation Project website, I read powerful testimony after testimony from staff members and from people who had had gone through this project saying what it was like when they hadn't had the conversation versus what it was like when they did have the conversation. So I want to invite each of us, wherever we are in life, to engage our loved ones, family and or friends, or friends who have become our family. Sit facing one another, just like the cherubim in the Mishkan. And with the help of Five Wishes or the Conversation Project, create your blueprint. It's scary, but it might be the crucial container that we need to help us prepare for the ineffable, inevitable, and to allow us to be present in this very moment. Please rise.